Welcome to the Hills Church Podcast. We hope that it helps you become a strong and passionate follower of Jesus Christ. For more information, you can head to our website at www.hillschurch.com.au. Enjoy this week's message. It is my absolute honour and privilege to speak to you today uh, about Christmas. And I want to thank again all of our, our visiting and guests. We're just so privileged and so blessed that you've taken the time to be here today. Uh, I'm the kind of guy who likes to buy Christmas stuff at the last minute. Anyone else with me in this one? Yep, yep, Pastor Josh. Uh, I was, I, I've been a little bit changed and improved since having married this lady, but I used to go the, the 23rd of December all night shopping. Uh, something about that, the, the hustle and bustle and this, the atmosphere, I just loved it. So being at the supermarket, uh, supermarket the shopping centre at midnight, one o'clock, getting all those last minute gifts, I loved it because, hey, what is more friendly than a shopping centre car park at two o'clock in the morning at Christmas time, right? Everyone just, it just brings out the best in people. Um, but what we found over the years is that the all night Shopping is still a major thing, but it's starting to become less and less and less of a thing because we have really everything at our disposal. I mean, you can pick up your phone and just grab anything and have it delivered to your door for Christmas right on time, every time, without fail. And it's just, it's an incredible. And there is just, there's such a supply of everything at the moment. But if there's one commodity that is in short supply, and I think that our world needs it more than ever, it is hope. I mean, you open up your phone, there's heaviness everywhere, right? Your newspapers, I mean, there's wars and conflicts and political unrest, I mean, inflation, rates, the cost of living. I'm driving a diesel car at the moment, so pray for me. Anyone else driving diesel at the moment, my goodness. Um, But it's not only in our wider societal space, but also personally. There are so many of us who are coming into Christmas this season wearing the year, if you know what I mean. And for some, it may have been little loss after little loss or just the grind of the weeks and the months as they hit us. For others, it may have been an epic, heart-wrenching, soul-smashing kind of loss. As I was preparing for this message, I cast my mind to a novel by a guy named Charles Dickens, and he so famously opened up this novel, A Tale of Two Cities, with that famous line, it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. And you don't need me to tell you today that for so many, that can be the experience of Christmas. It can be the best of times and it can be the worst of times. But today, I want to bring you a message of encouragement that because of Christmas, in that song that we just sang, a weary, hopeless world can have the thrill of hope. Because ultimately, where we place our hope is imperative to our joy. Hope and joy are inseparable forces, strongly correlated within our human experience. I mean, the presence of one often leading to the experience of another. I mean, you don't need me to tell you that. We can all remember times where the sense of anticipation and hope has buoyed our countenance and has given us a a fresh outlook and just general pepped up our well-being in life. Amen. It's got me thinking about some of the places where we naturally put our hope. 
Now, if you're in this church, you wouldn't have had to be here long to know that I'm a fanatic Collingwood supporter. And uh, for me, that's a place where I have at times put my hope and have been shattered into a million pieces. However, I looked up the statistics for the Collingwood Football Club. We've played 2,636 games, okay, and we've won 1,579 of them. But it's a good record, but that means that nearly 40% of the time it ends for us in disappointment. Okay. Even more in grand finals. We've lost 33 of the bad boys. Uh, so it's a really hard gig being a Collingwood supporter sometime. My uh, son, James, he came out, he found my Collingwood scarf out of the drawer and he ran it out into the living room and goes, Tony Wood. And I was, boy, I was so excited about him taking on the, the, you know, the club. But then I'm thinking, oh, what have I done to this kid? The life of disappointment that I've set him up for. Um, so some of us put our hope in people. In others, they'll never let me down. That person is so dependable. I can rely on them. The thing is, when we put our hope in people, ultimately, they will let us down because they're human and flawed, just like us. And if we put too much of our hope in others, when they do let us down, it can be so disorienting to us. We can put our hope in approval, in getting affirmation and love from others. If I succeed and if I win, if I can have it all together and I can portray a sense of strength and success, my identity will be made in that. The only thing is, friends, none of us can be perfect and we all have times in our life where we've fallen short and we've missed the approval of others. We put our hope in ourselves. Any of us put our hope in ourselves? I know I do. If we just want to fix everything, just want to grab it, this thing is, is broken, I just want to wrangle it and fix it. I, I don't need anyone else. I, I'm the one who can do it and bring the solution. I can fix it. I want things to go like I want them to go. If I can manage my world and if I can control my world, everything will be okay. But what happens with that is when we start to lose control, we start to feel confused and hurt and dazed. There are so many things and places where we can put our hope. But what I wanted to talk to you today is at the heart of what it means to celebrate Christmas. And if you take one thing away from our time together today, know this, that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. The Bible refers to this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Because of Christ, we can have the inner assurance that there is something better ahead. A hope that is not based on things that crumble and fail, but on a God who is steadfast and unfailing. There is a kind of unwavering hope available to us built upon what cannot be shaken, regardless of the season that is playing out in our life. So I want to ask the question, if the Christmas story is about hope, what can we hope for and what does this hope look like? The first thing that we can hope for is the forgiveness for our past mistakes. Now, every single one of us has made a mistake at some point in our life. All of us at one point have fallen short. All of us at one point, even the perfectionists among us, have not quite hit the target every single time, every single day of their life. See, the Bible takes all of our mistakes, all of our shortcomings, all of the things that we've done wrong, all of our just inadequacies and failings, and it groups it together into one word. It's a small word, a three-letter word, and it calls it sin. 
Now, sin is a small word, but it's a big problem. And the only problem with it is that uh, God is so holy and He is so different that He actually can't be with us and He can't be in relationship with us whilst we are in this state of sin. And because we all have mistakes and because none of us can be like God, there is a barrier between us and God. And because God loves us so much and because God wants to be with us and He wants us to be with Him, He actually tried to make a solution and He did provide a solution for us to be in relationship with Him, to remove that barrier, to remove that sin that separates us from His love. And so this is what we celebrate at Christmas, that all of us have made mistakes, that none of us are perfect. But thank God that God sent Jesus, His only Son, to go to a cross, to take the penalty that we deserve in all of our shortcomings, in all of our failings, and to wipe the slate clean. When we come to Jesus, all of our mistakes, all of our wrongdoings get wiped away. We can start afresh. Now, of course, there are natural realities of things that we do. And there are, of course, if we break the law, there are, of course, natural realities that we have to pay the punishment for what we've done. But in terms of our relationship with God, Jesus has come to restore us with our Father, to make us clean, to make us pure, so that we can stand before God having His righteousness, not because of anything that we can do, not because of anything that we can accomplish, but purely because of His love for us. Because of Jesus, we can hope for the forgiveness forgiveness and being set free of our past mistakes. And you might be sitting there thinking, but you don't know me. You don't know the things that I've done. You don't know the places that I've been and maybe not, but I want to tell you something that God does. God knows you and guess what? He loves you anyway. I think about the Apostle Thomas and this guy, he was in the Bible and what happened was that Jesus had risen from the dead and all the disciples were there and this guy Thomas was doubting uh, that Jesus had actually resurrected and I gave, a, uh, gave it away. But can anyone tell me his nickname, Thomas? Anyone know? Five brandy points if you can get it. Doubting Thomas. I feel so sorry for Thomas because for 2,000 years, that man has been known by the biggest mistake of his life. Could you imagine if we walked around being uh, labelled and identified by the worst things that we have ever done? And what's interesting is that although we call him that and although the popular culture calls him that, that Jesus never called him that. Thomas was an apostle. Thomas grew to take the message of Jesus Christ to the far reaches of the East. He took the gospel to India and now there are hundreds and millions of Christians in India because of the missionary work that this man actually started and initiated way back then. Hey, Thomas, yeah, he was a doubter. Yeah, he had problems. Yeah, he labelled himself. But you know what? Jesus says to those labels, to those mistakes, to those hurts, give them to me. Give them to me and I will take your old life and replace it with something new. Sometimes we can be like Thomas and we can carry some of the worst decisions that we've made for days, for months, for years and some of us even for decades. But the message of Christmas is this, that we can put that 
aside because of what Jesus has done for us. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. Friends, the longer we dwell on our mistakes, the less they record our past and the more they dictate our future. We have a God who takes everything that we've ever done and says, hey, I want to turn that mourning into dancing. I want to turn that sorrow into joy. I want to take that old, broken life that you were living in and I want to give you something new and something fresh, something gleaming with life and hope and love and joy. And friends, this is what is available to us in Jesus. The first thing is forgiveness for past mistakes. The second thing that we can hope for is hope to thrive today. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they have made have life and have it to the full. You know, if we're in a place in our life and we are believing that there is no light at the end of the tunnel, man, it gets tough. That's where we start saying things like, things will never change. It will always be like this. I'll always be like this. It's always going to be like this in my marriage. It's always going to be like this in my business. It's always going to be like this at my workplace. It's always going to be like this when I'm talking about this or that. It's always going to be like this in my relationships. It's always going to be like this in my family. And we've got to be careful that we don't fall into the trap of saying it's always going to be like this. And you might be sitting here thinking, I've tried everything. Well, I want to suggest to you today that maybe you haven't. Because God doesn't want his children to live a flat life, to just get by. I believe that we have a God in heaven who has designed us and built us to flourish. Maybe once upon a time you had a spring in your step. You had a sparkle in your eye. I believe that Jesus can restore to you today a new hope. It's the inner assurance that something is better ahead, where there seems no way that our God can make a way, that we can stand firm looking into a new year, knowing that it can get better. It will get better in my marriage. It will get better in my business. It will get better in my relationships. It will get better for my kids. We can stand in hope because we know that we have a God in heaven who loves us, who wants good things for His kids, who goes before us, who makes makes a way when we can't see a way. There is a God in heaven who has ordered your steps, who has a plan and purpose for your life. And so we can stand together with a steadfast assurance that, hey, it doesn't have to be like this. It doesn't have to stay like this. It doesn't have to remain in darkness because we serve a God of light. We serve a God who is a restorer. We have a God who is a healer. We have a God who is a provider. And we stand firm with a declaration of faith, knowing that God, you know, you order my steps. And because I stand in you, we can believe for better things in the future. We have hope to thrive today and we have hope forever. And this is the crux of the gospel story, that because Jesus has come to take away our sin and take away our mistakes, we can now enter into heaven, into glory, into eternity forever. A place where there is no pain, a place where there is no sickness, a place where there is no darkness because the light of the glory of God is so bright that it has replaced the sun. And this is the heart of God's redemptive story for humanity. That no matter what we go through, if you were to ask a person of faith, what is your deepest hope? It is that one day we will see Jesus 
face to face. That we will see Him. And no matter what our world looks like, no matter how much darkness reigns, no matter how much we are confused and disoriented, no matter how much we don't understand what is going on in our life, we can hold firm to the truth that one day we will be in heaven with Him. And this is what is available to us because of Christmas. Hope for the forgiveness from our past, that all the baggage that we take in, we can just nail that to the cross with Jesus and start fresh, a new day, a new creation. We can have hope to thrive today because our God is a good God. He's with us. He's working for us. He's working in us and he wants good things for his children. And we can have hope forever at that place in heaven with Jesus. The Christmas story is this. Looking at a dark, broken world, God sent hope. God sent the light. John chapter 1 verses 1 to 4 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In verse 14, it goes on and says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Now, I am terrible in the dark. I have, a, I have an astigmatism, and so I'm really running the gauntlet with no glasses today in front of you all. But um, I get up in the middle of the night and grab a drink of water or go to the bathroom, and my wife can hear me stumbling like, oh, whose shoes are they? Oh, they're my shoes, sorry. Um, And there's so many times I've been walking and stumbling around and all I really needed to do was turn on the light. And I believe today that if you are stumbling and bumbling and tripping around in the darkness, I believe that God has brought you a great light. And all we have to do is receive it, accept it and turn it on. And we will receive all of the incredible promises that we've talked about today. He's a God of light. He's a God of hope. And because of him this Christmas, we can stand sure and steadfast in his love and relationship with us. Amen. I'm going to invite our team to come up, lead us in item. But before I do, I'd love to pray. Father, we thank you for this Christmas season. We thank you that our hope is anchored in you. Father, we pray this year that if there is one single person in here who does not know your love and your hope, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them in a powerful way. Father, I thank you for this community. I thank you for the joy and the fellowship that is here. But most important, that we thank you for the wonderful gift of Jesus. Father, we pray that this Christmas season we would turn our attention towards him, find our hope, find our rock that is firm and secure. We thank you. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.